We are prophetic, are we not? <laughs> Matthew chapter 6. I thought for a little while we might kind of do that little song. Da, 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 da. Don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> I didn't think Jim would go for it, so. <laughs> I would have been right, wouldn't I? <laughs> Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 24. Jesus is talking. He says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. As to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And of who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? <laughs> all right. Well, I think it's really interesting that Jesus is emphatic here that you are not to worry. And the things he's specifically talking about are how are we going to eat, how are we going to live. It's the day-to-day bill-paying existence that he is insisting that we not worry over. And he says that this is something that the Gentiles do, the Gentiles who do not have God in their lives. They worry about stuff. He says, but you guys are not supposed to worry. And even while you're sitting there listening to Jesus teach, you can be saying, but yeah, what am I going to eat tomorrow? And what am I? But you know, he says, you've got to understand your heavenly father knows what your needs are. And Jesus focuses the whole emphasis back to, we're going to trust God. We're not going to get worried about things like people who don't have God in their lives worry. How many of y'all know friends and family who do not have God in their lives and man, do they worry? Isn't that right? Or maybe it was you prior coming to Jesus. People that would just lay awake nights. How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to, you know, what am I going to do? You know, have panic attacks, need to take chill pills, right? People that would just get all stressed and act as though God was not there or God didn't care or that God was a liar. And unfortunately, this has happened inside the body of Christ. And Jesus is talking to covenant people. Remember, he's talking to Jewish people. He says, if you have a covenant with God, you do not need to be responding to life's pressures the same way that people do that don't have God in their life. 
He says, the Gentiles are seeking those things. He says, but your father knows it. So what does Jesus tell us to do? Not to seek the food, the clothing, the shelter, getting your bills paid. Not to seek that. Not to serve after money to the point to where you neglect your relationship with God. Isn't that right? Remember I was telling you a few weeks ago about we need to keep a Sabbath. Keeping a Sabbath, even though maybe your job situation is saying, but I've got to work seven days a week. Well, we're going to honor God instead of serving wealth, right? If God says you will take one day off a week, then we honor God and we say, I'm going to worship him and not serve money. How do you know money wants to own you? It wants to control how you live your life. It wants to control how you spend your time. But God has said, you will take one day off a week. And I really feel like this is a real crucial element that shows that you trust God. Because I have been in those situations, I mean, in the ministry. In the ministry, where you're supposed to know this stuff, right? I've been in that situation feeling so much pressure. I've got to go here. I've got to go through this. I've got to study. I've got to, got to, got to, to the point to where it's like, and where was your day off last week? <laughs> you know, the Lord tells us we're not going to live like the Gentiles. How do you know that the Gentiles don't take a day off? You know, if the crops in the fields got to come in, if, you know, the convention comes to town, if they just, whatever happened, they don't take a day off. But instead, the Lord says to us, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. To seek first him. Honoring him with the Sabbath. All right? And I feel the need to say this about military men. I know we have military uh, person here. And we were military. There are seasons of war. There are seasons of time. And when the military runs your life and you don't get a day off, it's not within your choice. Okay? But I also believe that God understands when it's not your choice because somebody else, like military, this is not to say that most people have the option of a day off, okay? The military, they own you. And in time of war, I'm sorry, but you're sitting over there in wartime. I don't care if it is Sunday. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth, right? Okay. So, uh, but that is a completely separate thing. The Gentiles seek after all this worried about their life. What are we going to do? And yet Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and not to worry about it. You know, I believe that one of the things that God has been working in our lives is to break worry off of us. It's to break worry and fear off of us. You know, several months ago, I spent quite a bit of time teaching on faith. Week after week after week for what, like six weeks teaching on faith, faith, faith. And many of you are really glad now because you're in a season right now to where that foundation of faith is paying off because you're facing challenges and the temptation to run behave like a Gentile. And let's just get worried. I'm here to tell y'all folks, everybody is going through something right now. Everybody is. And we all have the temptation to get ourselves all worked up have a panic attack, or we have, the, or we can choose to, you know what, I'm going to do what Jesus said and choose not to worry, but instead choose to trust God, all right? There are three kinds of fear that come on people. The first one is fear of man. Fear of man. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, 5, 
that we are to confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? That's Hebrews 13, 6, excuse me. Fear of man. There are sometimes we're worried about, is my boss going to fire me? Or I don't dare tell this person the truth because of what's going to happen. How many times have we laid awake nights worried about what somebody else is going to say or somebody else might do? Folks, that is a fear that we do not need to be worried about. If the Lord is our helper, then we should fear God and not fear man. Easy to say or another thing to do, right? Because all of us have the desire that we want to please the people who are superiors, please people in our lives. But, you know, sometimes some people just even Jesus can't please. Isn't that the truth? I mean, if you read the Bible, Jesus couldn't please everybody. But fear of man. How many times have people held back from doing what God called them to do because we're afraid of what somebody might say about it? Sometimes you've been afraid of what your family will say about it, what your friends, what the guys down at the shop will say about it, and have deliberately held back from doing what the Lord has said. You know what? Jesus told us not to put our light under a bushel. Isn't that right? He told us not to hide the good things that he's done within our lives. So fear of man is something that every last one of us will have to face. You face fear of man if you prophesy. You face fear of man if you get up to lead a group of any kind. Because what's the thing you're thinking? Well, maybe I'll look stupid. Maybe they'll laugh at me. Maybe they'll think I'm an idiot. Well, what do they think? That's fear of man, folks. How many times have many times we have held back from saying what was right, for doing what was strong, what we should do, because of fear of what somebody else did. Every last one of us did this in school. How many, how many times have we watched some the, the kids get picked on and we didn't open our mouths because it was afraid of what somebody else said? God is calling us to a place to where we're not going to fear anyone or anything but Him. I really believe God is breaking fear off of people, breaking worry. And how do you know it's broken? When you can look at it and it doesn't bother you. There have been things have been coming across my desk here recently. You know, people I'm talking down off the ledge. You know, stuff like that. Stuff happening recently. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay. I determined not to get into an emotional roller coaster about it. Because you know what? God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Word of God is true forever. It is forever settled in heaven. What the Lord has said is done. All the rest of this stuff, that is all subject to change. All this stuff right here, all this upheaval, this is all subject to change. We're going to stick with the Word of God that endures forever. All right? That's what we're holding on to. And so, therefore, if we understand that God knows every challenge that you and I are facing right now, God is intimately aware of every fear that's trying to keep you awake at night, that's trying to hold you back. God's completely aware of that. And what did he do? Sent Jesus to say, don't worry. Don't worry. Sometimes people think if you're not worried, it's because you don't know what's going on. Sometimes people said, no, but you don't understand. Oh, I understand completely. And sometimes you have to tell people you understand. I do understand. These are the facts that we are facing right now. This, 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 this. Guess what that means? Nothing. Because God has said, don't worry. You know, the Bible says that the Lord does not slumber nor sleep. So tell him your problem and let him stay up all night. 
and you go to bed. Sometimes I've had to just discipline my mind and say, you know what? I've thought about that enough for one day. I'm going to give this to you. You deal with it. I can't do anything. The best thing I can do right now is get some sleep. Right? So the fear of man is one thing that people will have to face, something that can hold you back. The next fear I have is the fear of death. Hebrews 2.15 says that the Lord came that he might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Fear of death, maybe you've faced death in a war situation or in a medical situation or in somebody's actually threatened you. Fear of death keeps people from pressing in and doing what God's told them to do. You know, when it comes down to it, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. If Jesus Christ is really the Lord of your life, then that means that He owns it. That means He can take you to heaven when He wants. How many think that's true? It belongs to Him. Your life is not your own, right? So He can take you whenever He wants to. That has to be settled in your heaven, in your heart. One time years ago, I, I was reading a story of a, a young man, and he was... He was overseas doing some ministry, and they got caught up in some kind of crossfire with some... Uh, and they were in a troubled part of the world and got caught up in some crossfire. And as it was night and, and bullets were being exchanged back and forth, and, and the thought occurred to him, I might die right now. And as he sat there, he didn't worry about it. He said, now when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord, how can a person die when they're at the place God told them to be, at the time God told them to be there. <laughs> this is how his mind is working, you know. Because, see, he's not worried about getting killed. He's more concerned about being in the will of God, right? And as it is, obviously, he lived to tell about it, you know. The story went on. But there are a lot of people, you know, fear of death. A medical thing comes up. The doctor says, or not even the doctor says, your own wild imagination begins to think something doesn't look right, doesn't feel right, doesn't sound right. And what happens? The devil comes in with a spirit of fear and feeds on that thing. Do you know that your problem is not your medical condition? Your problem is a spirit of fear. I'm here to tell you, that is the problem. You see, that's it. The devil wants to say, your problem is you don't have enough money. Your problem is, the doctor said this, that is not the problem. The problem is a spirit of fear that is trying to rob you of your peace and make God out to be a liar. You can have two people at the identical situation, one caught up in fear and the other in peace and giving glory to God. Which one you want to be in? This one over here, in peace, giving glory to God. You know, we, we need to understand, folks, to determine not to worry is an act of your will. It doesn't mean you're not having a challenge presented to you. It means you see the challenge, you heard what the doctor said, you saw what your checkbook said, you got the phone call, but when it comes down to it, it doesn't change a thing that God Almighty has said. When it comes down to it, those natural circumstances that you and I see are everlasting ones subject to change, right? The things we see, the Bible says, are temporal, subject to change. So the Word of God is forever. The third kind of fear is just a fear of life in general. 
You know, Timothy had this problem. Paul wrote to him in 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. A fear of life in general. There are some people, they're just nervous all the time. They're just worried all the time. You know, they're, well, maybe I'll get the flu and ooh, maybe my income tax will come in and maybe this will happen and maybe it won't. And they, they're the people who watch the evening news and just freak out all the time. You know, folks, there are so many people who die a thousand deaths as cowards. And I want to encourage you that if you are feeling the pressure of fear right now to determine that thing is not going to own you. You know what? Sooner or later, folks, we need to face every fear that we have. Because you see, God, I believe that is one of God's reasons for having us here on the earth, is to overcome every fear that we have. And you know, and some of the things that we all have are going to be common. There are some people, they, have, they really don't have a fear of death. That doesn't bother them at all. But maybe they have a fear of man. You know, or maybe they're just fearful about taking risk in life. They're afraid to start a business for themselves. They're afraid to go up to a stranger and talk. They're afraid to try to learn something new. They're afraid of anything with any element of risk in it. And that's called cowardly living. We got to break free, folks. Do you know that the Bible says in Revelation, you know, it talks about the list of people that get thrown into the lake of fire? No cowards are listed. Yeah. That'll make you go, wow, won't it? Not only liars, adulterers, blah, 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 but cowards. Because, you know, a coward is somebody who has refused to embrace life. And if you refuse to embrace life, then you're refusing the gift that God has given you. And I don't care what you have faced in your past. God has called us to be overcomers. You know what? It's, it's better to die kicking and screaming in faith than to lay down there, play dead, and let the devil just do whatever he wants to in your life, right? You know, I haven't won every battle that I have faced, but I'm still up and kicking, and so are you. And so we're going to press forward. And I'm not saying that sometimes it's not hard, but you know what? The grace of God is there because Jesus has commanded us, do not worry. That means it is possible to live a worry-free life. It is possible to live a life full of peace, no matter what is going on around you. You see, some people consider peace means no storms. Oh, no, no, no. Not if you live in this world. It, you always got something going on. If your life is fine, it's those people close to you that are making your life stormy, <laughs> you know, because something they've got going on, all right? Ephesians 2, verse 12 and 13 says, Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There was a time when you didn't have any hope. There was a time you didn't have God in your life. There was a time where you didn't know if you cried out if God would be merciful and come through to you or not. But now, in Christ Jesus, you and I have a covenant with Almighty God. And we have access that we did not previously have. 
So whereas you can watch your neighbors, your family, your friends, all of them freaking out, panicking over what's going to happen, what might happen, you and I are to live as a stabilizing force in their lives. You know what? Sometimes people think you're not going through anything. Praise God if they don't think you're going through anything. I know there's been times I have looked at men and women I love and I thought, your life's so easy. <laughs> and then when I got a little closer and really found out what was going on, I was like, oh my goodness. But they have learned to be content. They have learned to draw upon the grace of God. Right? You know, it'd be easy for everybody to be peaceful and content if you had all the money in the bank and you had everybody loved you and all your relationships were happy and you had great physical health and all those things. It's easy when there's no pressure upon you. But you know what? It's another thing when the pressure's there and you have determined to live as though it weren't. Amen. All right. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. No worries. No worries. That's right. Philippians 4 verse 6. I am challenging you to treat worry as an enemy. This is not something that has to be in your life. As believers, it should not be in our lives. So we're going to do what we can to take authority over it and get rid of it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. The word anxious means nervous, worried, and afraid that something might happen. Afraid I might get laid off. Afraid gas will go back up again. Afraid I won't get a promotion. Afraid my kids won't turn out right. <coughs> Afraid I'll get the flu, the bird flu. You know, whatever people worry about. I'm afraid of this. That's called being anxious, folks. And what does the scripture say? Be anxious for nothing. Not some things, not once in a while. Well, you never met a challenge like this before. That's okay to be nervous about that. No, it says be anxious for nothing. That means there's not a single situation that you and I face in life that we have to get nervous about. Nothing we need to get worried about. Nothing that we need to have keep us awake at night wondering if it's going to happen or if it's not going to happen. All right? Be anxious for nothing. How many of you believe that's a command in your Bible? All right? And we are obedient children of God. But in everything, the Bible says, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Because you see, you can't worry and pray at the same time. You can't. If you're worried about something, that means there's not been a release of that care to the Lord. But as you, by everything, with prayer and supplication, release that thing to God with thanksgiving. Thanking God, He is faithful to His Word. Thanking God, you're in covenant with Him. Thank you, He is not a man that He can lie, that He will meet your needs. He's commanded us not to worry, so it's going to be okay. Thankful. Making your supplications to God. And then it says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Have you ever had a peace that just didn't make sense? That's what that means. Without comprehension. And people say, no, 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 you don't understand. Let me tell you how bad it is. No, I understand. I just had this peace that didn't make any difference. Peace is a wonderful commodity. 
absolutely wonderful. I love it when you've got the peace of God wrapped up and you can watch all those people out there. They're running back and forth like chickens with their heads cut off. I mean, they're just panicking. They're up in arms. They're emotional. They're this and that. You're going, okay. This is my response lately. Okay. It is. Lately, I've had several things thrown my way. I go, okay. Does God know what you're facing? Yes, He does. So why worry? If your life is not yours, but it's His, why worry? Why don't we just trust Him? Okay, God, I'm not going to be worried about this. Lord, you see that $12,000 bill laying on my, my desk? I'm not going to worry about it. I know it's due like right away. I'm not going to worry about it. You see that thing right there? Okay, good. You take care of it. I just refuse to worry. I instead am going to be kept in perfect peace. It's a lot better way to live. All right. And, it's gonna, and you see that peace, it says here, will guard your heart and guard your mind. Guarding it. And let me tell you, you protect that peace as well. When that peace is, is you have, in that place of I'm pursuing the peace of God, I'm not going to be anxious, then there is the fight of faith to maintain it. And so when the next wave of thought comes into your mind or the next phone call or the next bill comes in or whatever, just say, that's okay, I'm keeping my peace. I told you all a while back there was a time you come to my house, there's nothing but peaceful music playing. Because I was using the, the music to help keep my emotions down. Because the facts were raging. And the devil was screaming in my ear. Just screaming, screaming. It's like, I'm keeping my peace. I'm not listening to that. I'm listening to this. I'm keeping my focus here where it needs to be. And be steady. And when you see me, I don't want you to say, wow, you look awful. What's going on? I don't want to see that. I don't want to hear that. I want you to think I don't have a care in the world. Isn't that great? Look at her. She's so happy. Everything's fine. We have to learn to walk in that, you know. Has, isn't it true that sometimes, I mean, you can tell when somebody's under a great deal of stress and strain. You know, you can tell. You can see it in their face a lot. I mean, I, I always feel for every president that we have. I don't know if y'all have noticed that, but every president, they go into office with dark hair, with no lines. Within a few years, they've aged 20. It's a hard thing to be president, okay? And, you know, all of us, many of us, we have faced long-standing, chronic, difficult situations. But I'm like, God, teach us how to walk in peace to where we're not wearing that. To Everybody looks at us and says, what's wrong? You look like you're having a hard time. This is a fight of individual faith to walk, to grow in the grace of God, to make a demand upon Him. Because Jesus said, don't worry. He told us Father knows about it. He knows everything that we need. Amen? All right. You see, you see how the things get broken off of you, folks? How does that fear get broken off of you? You stare it down. It doesn't mean it never comes to you. It means you stare it down and you make sure you win. There are things you face head on, you know, and the devil is always there with a spirit of fear trying to get you to buy in 
to a lie instead of believing what the Word of God has said. But how good does it feel to overcome a fear? It's glorious. It is absolutely glorious. We've used an expression around here a long time. You've got to kill the dragon in your own backyard. Everybody has a personal battle that they've got to overcome and face. And I don't know exactly where each one of you may be right now individually, but I bet there's something looming that you're having to face. You know, you're not allowed. Sometimes you're in a situation in life where you could ignore a given thing for a season. You know, we all go through that. Well, you know, if I don't look at it, it'll go away, you know. You know, but then every now and then, you've got something that says, you will look at me. And it demands that you face it. Well, I'm saying let's face it in faith. Let's face it as people who have covenant with Almighty God. And say, God, I'm going to stand up and face Goliath and believe I'm going to overcome anyway. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that dares to challenge the children of God. Jesus, you said, don't worry, so I'm not going to. I'm going to cast out all fears. In Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. That's an interesting parallel. A tree, one who trusts in the Lord is like a tree planted by the streams, that even in a year of drought, continues to bear fruit. That really impacted me. That even when you're not getting all of the release of blessing or provision like you'd like to have in your life, that you're stable enough and secure enough to where you still bear fruit in those seasons. Folks, we've all watched people who went through a rough time and quit bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the midst of it. They quit walking in love, joy, peace, patience. They quit walking in the blessing of God. Instead, they, they, even if they didn't get off into worry and fear, they pulled in enough to where they weren't allowing the fruit of the Holy Spirit to operate. You know, God is after good fruit in every season of my life and yours, even in a season of drought, even in a season of things are tight, things are challenging, God's still after something good to come out of our lives. And you see, as people of God, we understand there never is a shortage in God. There never is a shortage. There's always a release of grace and provision. But sometimes God is just developing your roots, causing your roots to go around deep. But sometimes God is causing you to wind up and to become strong. You know, there are too many hothouse flowers in the body of Christ. A hothouse flower, you know, they grow in a little greenhouse. Now, it, come in the spring, some of y'all probably go down to the greenhouse and get you some petunias or something and, and get them and take them home put them in your yard. In a greenhouse environment, it's the same temperature all the time. They've got that sunlight all the time, and they got all the water they need, right? They're well-watered, nice, even temperatures. You take that thing out of the greenhouse, and what you're supposed to do is take it home and let it sit outside untouched for a couple days. Because your little greenhouse petunias have never experienced a drop in temperature at night. But when things begin to become restricted a little bit, then they begin to wilt. They're not really showing forth any real strength. What their apparent maturity and strength was only based upon somebody else's efforts.
somebody else's efforts. You know, it's like, it's like little children, you know. They grow up and mom and dad take care of absolutely everything. So they don't worry, right? Mom and dad take care of it. And then when they start finding out what it's like in the real world, then they start to get a little nervous. Well, how am I going to pay my insurance bill? I always think it's kind of funny when teenagers, for the very first time, are faced with car insurance. It always strikes me just a little hilarious. Because up to that point, dad's good for it, right? And so here comes the insurance guy. <laughs> you know, but you know, it's necessary. It's okay to start out in a hot house, but understand we've got to grow up and mature so that we can be in all season and bear fruit of the Holy Spirit in every season. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 8. You know, the Bible says, Anxiety in the heart of a man weighs it down. Worry in your heart, getting nervous and afraid, that will weigh you down. But a good word makes it glad, Proverbs says. Isaiah chapter 8. Verse 11. We're going to look now about how to deal with anxiety. Isaiah 8, 11. For thus says the Lord spoke to me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people. Do you know that God has called us not to walk in the way of this people? There are people who live a way that God has instructed us. We have to live a different way, right? Verse 12, you're not to say it's a conspiracy in regard to all this people call conspiracy. That is, we're not to say everything the way the world says things. We're not to follow in their train of thought. It says, you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. That's pretty plain. You are not to fear what they fear. Verse 13. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy, and he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. Then he shall become a sanctuary, but to both the houses of Israel a stone to strike, a rock to stumble over, and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So, we are not to get worried and fearful about what everybody else gets worried and fearful about. But instead, our concern is that we not displease the Lord. It's, more cons it's better that we have a fear of displeasing Him and not doing what He has said than worried about what those people say is going to happen. You know, when God tells you to give, it doesn't matter if everybody says gasoline's going back up again. I've watched people, they get so panicked over what might happen, they disobey what God has told them to do right now. Instead, our desire is we want to please the Lord, and I'd rather displease you than displease Him. That's where it's got to be, right? Our, and there are sometimes people will not understand you when you choose the ways of God. You do what he's, They don't get it. The Bible says they'll wonder why you don't run with them to the same excess of riot. They don't understand why you don't join in the pity party. Why don't you don't get in the gripe fest? Okay, everybody needs to repent now, don't we? Okay. I mean, have it. Come on. You get around the guys at work and, or maybe your family. They start, oh, they start whining and complaining. That's ah, not good. This is bad. What are we going to do? Blah, blah, blah. You know what? And God says, we're not to say what they say. We're not to fear what they fear. We're to walk separate from that in a different way. Hallelujah. That he is our fear. He is our dread. I think that's really, really important. What are people in the world afraid of? What are they afraid of? 
Well, they're afraid about getting sick, right? They're afraid about not having enough money. They're afraid about losing their job. All these things the world is afraid of. He says, not you guys, not you. Don't you be afraid of the same things you're afraid of. Well, Jesus said that, w that we need to be afraid not of people, but of him who could throw, a, you know, a person into hell, right? I mean, that's who to be afraid of. Is the world afraid of God who can throw them into hell? No. But the word over stuff like getting sick, having money. You and I understand the Lord is our fear, concern with him. So what are we going to do with anxiety? Our instruction is to not walk the way they do, not to fear the way they fear. So how are we going to deal with it? Because you know what? Fear does come. Anxiety does come. It was Martin Luther that said, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building the nest in your hair. So these thoughts, <laughs> that's right now. See, these things can come to you, but you don't have to let them remain. Just because a thought comes to you does not mean you've sinned. How many know temptation is not a sin? Even Jesus was tempted. Temptation comes in the form of what? Thoughts. That's a temptation is a thought. So a thought can come, but you don't have to take it. All right? We want to build our confidence in the Lord as a defense against those thoughts. Let's turn over to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3. While you're there, I'm going to tell you Proverbs 1.33. The spirit of wisdom talks, and the spirit of wisdom says, that He who listens to me shall live securely and be at ease from the dread of evil. If we will listen to the wisdom of the scriptures, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, we won't be subject to all that dread and fear that other people are subject to. Proverbs 3, verse 21. My son, let them wisdom and instruction not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so that it shall be life to your soul and adornment to your neck. Then you will walk in your way securely. Your foot will not, slump, will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Now, many of you have heard my tornado story, but not everybody has. So I'm going to tell you real quickly my tornado story. All right? Because it's a living example of what I'm talking about here. Many years ago, when Sarah was a baby, actually, and Scott was TDY, he was in England at the time. I was at home. We were at that time living in a farmhouse in the country. I had two small children. My son was like five, and Sarah was a baby. And so there I was alone in my house, and we were living in the Midwest. In the Midwest, you get a lot of tornadoes, and they have a lot of um, sirens. When a siren goes off, it means a tornado has been sighted. So I'm out there, we've had a tremendous storm, and the electricity has gone out. So I'm sitting here in the dark with two little small children in my house, and the sirens went off. We had several days of rain. The cellar was flooded. I had nowhere to go. And so I'm sitting there in the rocking chair, and I was praying, of course. And I was like, God, the Bible says, and see, it's good to know what the Bible says. Because, you know, the Bible says... You know, the wise man sees evil and hides himself. So, God, I'm not going to be stupid here. But the sirens have gone off. 
and I'm in a house with two small children. What do you want me to do? And the Lord, the the scripture came to me from Psalm chapter 4. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for you, O Lord, cause me to dwell in safety. That was my word from God. Go to bed. Okay, I'm going to go to bed. You think that was easy? The devil said, I'm going to kill you and leave your children all alone in the house. I said, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. And the devil said, I'm going to kill your children and you'll have to live with it. I said, I will lay me down in peace and sleep. My sleep will be sweet. So I went to bed, put the kids to bed, went to bed. Storm passed. Oh, right about that time when I was putting the kids to bed, hail came banging on the screen door. Hail, when you live in the Midwest, it means a tornado is on your doorstep. That's what it means. It's right there. I will lay down and sleep. Now, you see, if the Lord had told me to move, I'd have moved. You can't be stupid about this stuff, right? I'm not going to tempt God. But I had asked the Lord what to do, and I was ready to do whatever he said. So I went to bed, got up the next morning. Power had come back on. We slept through the night. And a farmhouse less than a mile from me had been completely destroyed by a tornado. But I had slept. Storm had passed, and I had slept. I could have laid awake nights, worried about it, panicking, or I could do what God said, trust His Word, and go to sleep. Went to sleep. Kids didn't know anything. Peaceful night, it was fine, you know? Because what does it say here? When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Folks, this is real life I'm talking about. When you lie down, you'll not be afraid. You'll lie down and your sleep will be sweet. You'll not be afraid of sudden fear. Sudden fear is is sirens going off. You know, I'm talking about living your life in a way that is not prone to worry. You see, the facts can come. The sirens can go off. And you could have a panic attack. You could freak out. You could run around, you could scream and holler, you could do all that, or you could say, God, what does your word say and what do you want me to do? And determine, I'm going to live in peace. And I had to fight, you know I had to fight, but I'm going to live in peace. I'm not going to live in worry and fear. Over the years, I learned this lesson many, many years ago because of instances like that. Because in those years, my husband was gone a lot. The Air Force demanded him to be gone a lot. He'd be gone for a month or two at a time. And so I learned everything about dealing with fear with me and small, two small children. And I, had, I would talk to these women, and during the time, there was more things going on. And he was always doing secret missions he couldn't tell you about, you know, stuff like that. And, and uh, I, occasionally, I talked to some other military wives, and they would just be on pins and needles nervous wrecks for two months until their spouse got home. Well, I decided early on I could live in fear or I could live in peace. And I determined I was not going to be a nervous wreck like those people out there. Husband's on the same deployment, same place. She's a nervous wreck, and I determined to do what God said in His Word and walk in peace. I walked in peace. End End of the two months, Both husbands come home, everything's fine. But one person spent their life in misery, the other spent their life in peace. Folks, choose peace. Same circumstance. It's how you choose to live your life. I'm exhorting you. It's how you choose. 
You see, God is breaking fear off of people. It doesn't matter what happens to you. It's how you get through. And not even just willpower, but just I'm going to draw upon the grace of God out of sheer obedience. Lord Jesus, you said do not worry. You said be anxious for nothing. I'm going to do what you said. I'm going to trust you to help me in my weakness, in my temptation that wants to freak out, have a panic attack, run screaming, in my temptation to succumb to fear. I determine I'm going to draw upon your grace because every temptation that come, you and I, we can pass it. Amen. If not, if we couldn't pass it, God wouldn't be just. We can pass every one of these things. It says there in verse 26, For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. He will be our confidence. You know what? We build confidence in the Lord on purpose as a defense. Because you don't know when the next spirit of fear is going to come whisper in your ear. You don't know the next challenge that you're going to be facing. So in the meantime, that's when you're building your confidence in the Lord. That's when you begin to study the Word of God. That's when you begin to know what the Word of God says, the heart of God, so that you, so that you are ready for whatever challenge comes your way. I really believe we are to be prepared. And I believe that God will you know, give us the ability to prepare ourselves for everything that, that comes up. The challenges you are facing right now, you are well able to overcome. You are well able. I'm going to tell you, you can do it. You absolutely can do it. It may be the toughest thing you've ever faced in your life. It doesn't make any difference whatsoever. You are well able to overcome. Some of you are facing the toughest battle of your lives. Congratulations. Great battles mean great victories. Look how God trusts you to let you go through this challenge to your faith right now. See, God and all the angels of heaven are pulling for you. Come on. Come on. Don't worry. Don't fear. Come on. You can overcome. You can get through. There's a cloud of witnesses, the Bible says, that are watching. There's a whole lot of people who have gone before us, and they're cheering you on saying, Come on. Hang in there. Believe God. Walk in peace. You know... The Bible says in 1 John 3.21 that if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. How is your heart not going to condemn you? When you know that your sins are forgiven and you've been obedient to what the Lord says, right? Then you're not nervous. You get in trouble. You cry out. Your heart is believing God. He's going to come through for me. Now what happens is, what happens if trouble comes and you've been disobedient and you haven't been doing like you should? I mean, it's just the Spirit of God's convicted you, you know. What's going to happen? You're not going to have confidence in God. The problem's not on God's end. The problem's on your end. You'll not have confidence to ask Him. You'll not have confidence to believe Him. And therefore, you'll begin to fall back upon your own strength. But if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. So I encourage you, if you know that there's some things not right, get it fixed right now. Just get it fixed. God, I repent and help me do right. Help me be obedient. When you have studied the Word of God and you know what the Scripture says, you have confidence towards God because you understand God's nature, His character. You can remember, remember those stories from the Bible. It encourages you. You can say, oh, it's just like David and Goliath. Oh, it's just like this. It's just like that. And you can see that God is faithful. You're going to come through. All right. How to deal with anxiety. Build your confidence in the Lord as a defense. And now let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Your defense is one aspect, 
That's your shield. That's your fortress. That's your protection against an onslaught. Because sometimes you absolutely need all those walls in place because of the barrage that comes. Now we're going to look at the second point about dealing with anxiety is to go on the offensive with extreme prejudice. There was a movie years ago that talked about extreme prejudice. That means no holding back. Go on the offensive. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Be sober, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Notice he says to cast your anxiety. Cast is a word, it reminds me of like casting a line from fishing. You know, that means there's some definite effort to get that thing away from you. Right? You've done a good cast when it goes flying out there into the deep water like you wanted, right? Casting your anxiety. We're not keeping it close just in case. We are getting rid of that stuff. How many of you had the experience, the unpleasant experience, of finding some kind of vermin or roach or something like that within your house? It's gross. And what is your attitude? Get that thing out of my house. You don't care. You don't want to just occupy the bathroom. It's not okay with you if it just keeps to itself in one little corner, right? You want that thing out of your house. We have to have the same attitude towards fear and worry and anxiety. Get that mess out of my sight. I'm not going to tolerate any feeling sorry for myself, spirit of fear, getting all nervous and afraid with extreme prejudice. Get that mess out of here. Be violent with it. You know, if you're not violent with it, it's going to stick around. It's going to stick around. Some of us, you may be in a family line to where worry was the way people lived. And you inherited a propensity towards worry and even had it modeled in front of you. But you and I need to break covenant with that thing. Worry is not going to have us. We're not going to be anxious for anything. And so when those thoughts and those feelings begin to come to you, not tolerate them and just see if it goes away, why don't we just on purpose choose to get rid of it? On purpose choose to replace it with peace and trusting God. Now it also says, it says to be on the alert. You know, be on the alert because that stuff will sneak in on you sometimes. And as soon as you realize that thing is permeating your thought processes, decide it's not building a nest in my hair. And we're going to get rid of that thing. The word says the devil is looking for somebody to devour. Tell him it ain't going to be me. Not me. Spirits of fear tried to settle in my house. I don't think so. I'm going to aggravate them. Aggravate a spirit of fear. How do, you, how do you aggravate and torment the devil? By choosing to walk in faith, by declaring what the Word of God says, by refusing to lay down and play dead. Right? Then it says to resist him. Resist is a military term. It means to actively engage in combat. Not just, well, I'll be passive. It's like, no, go for me in Jesus' name. And begin to declare what the Word of God says. 
I'm not listening to that. I'm telling you what God said. Jesus said, do not worry. I refuse to worry. Worry, go from me. And resist those things. It says, be firm in your faith. Fear is to be resisted. Anxiety is to be resisted. You need to treat it like a spirit that it is. Treat it not like an emotion, but treat it like an entity that wants to consume you. Just like, like that little mouse, that little cockroach. Separate from you. That's how you need to treat that thing. Because if you think it's part of you, you're not going to get rid of it. And God's not called us to live in fear. So separate yourself from it. Even if your knees are shaken and you broke out in a cold sweat, you say, this fear is going from me. I'm not going to lay here and accept it, but to resist it. Just refuse to entertain it. And do like I'm telling you. Listen to some praise-filled music. Read what the Word of God says. And folks, if you are in a challenge right now, there's some TV you cannot watch. There's some movies you cannot watch. Come on, if you're facing a medical challenge, last thing you need to be watching some sad story about somebody that died. I've watched people do stupid stuff like that, though. Whatever you are facing, do not watch anything that's going to feed a spirit of fear. This is why, parents, when my kids were little, I did not allow them to watch commonly accepted some of those Disney cartoons and movies because they put a spirit of fear in a child. I hate the spirit of fear. And I'm working on driving that thing out of everybody I can find, you know. But why deliberately put that? That's like people that watch horror movies. They open themselves up to a spirit of fear. Oh, it doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, yeah. How about you walking down some lonely alley late at night and all of a sudden there's a little movement? Don't tell me you don't get flashbacks of Freddy or whatever. I'm telling you, it puts a spirit of fear in you. You're not so tough and so special, folks. You're a human being and you are subject to the same temptations everybody else is. And particularly those of you who are seers, there are things you absolutely cannot watch. You can't afford to watch even light horror movies. And all the seers I know can't stand those things anyway. They tell me they're too much to real. They're like I've seen things in the natural realm that's just like that. I ain't watching that. Right? Seers guard your gift. You can't watch that stuff. You can't. Okay. This is good for you, isn't it? Everybody feeling strong, feeling challenged? That's good. All right? Remind yourself, folks, you have a covenant with Almighty God. Jesus said... In John 14, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let it be troubled. That means you could let it be troubled. That's why he said, do not let it happen. We're not just people who are passive and whatever feelings we have, whatever thoughts we have, we don't just let those things happen. We do not let it happen. It's not what happens to you, folks. It's your response. Do not let your heart be troubled. You know what the Bible says? The Bible also says that we are to be strong and let our hearts take courage. I want to tell you folks, taking courage is a choice. You can choose to be afraid and worried or you can choose to be courageous. Courageous doesn't mean you have no symptoms of fear. It means you're refusing to let that fear stop you. It means you do it anyway. Courage means you're not going to let the devil's lies or your emotions dictate what you're going to do 
But courage says, I'm going to do what I've got to do. It's what God's Word says. It's what I've determined in my heart. I'm going to take courage. Taking courage is something, it's a mental adjustment that you make. You know, it was just like, remember the time when David was upset? Um, it says that all of the, the enemy had come in and had raided their camp, David and his mighty man, and they had taken all the wives and all the children and all the stuff, and the guys returned to camp, and it was a disaster, and everybody was afraid, and they were in such grief. They were all just weeping, and they were ready to kill David. And the Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Because there was nobody else around him to encourage him. They were ready to kill him. But he encouraged himself. Folks, you can decide to encourage yourself. There's plenty of times I have gotten faced with a challenge. And I said, you know what? We are not doing this. And I began to say, so, and began to preach to myself. This is what the Word of God said. This is what God has said. This is who He is. And just begin to make proclamations out of my own mouth. By the time I get through, I feel good. You know, I go preach myself happy. Right? And that's it. You can encourage yourself in the Lord. And determine God's faithful. That's just all there is to it. Taking courage is a choice. It's choosing to resist fear and to replace it with boldness. It's choosing to stay on course anyway. Anyway. I want you to last scripture turn to Psalm 112. 112. You can take courage by seeing yourself in the scripture. When you're reading these stories and you're reading these verses, it's not just what happened to somebody way back when. It's not something God spoke to people way back when. But look to see it as the living word of God that applies to you in your current situation. Psalm 112, verse 1. Praise the Lord. How blessed am I because I fear the Lord and I greatly delight in His commandments. My descendants will be mighty on the earth. My generation is upright and will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in our house and our righteousness endures forever. Light arises in the darkness for us for we are upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous. It is well with the man who is gracious and lends. It's well with me because I'm gracious and lends. The Lord will maintain my cause in judgment. I will never be shaken. I am righteous and will be remembered forever. I will not fear evil tidings. My heart is steadfast trusting in the Lord. My heart is upheld. I will not fear until I look with satisfaction on my adversaries. I have given freely to the poor. My righteousness endures forever. My horn will be exalted in honor. The wicked will see it and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Folks, make it your attitude, your confession, your prayer. Put yourself in there. I will not be afraid. I choose courage. I choose to believe God. It's going to be okay. I'm not going to worry. It's going to be all right. God's going to get glory and the devil's going to be, what? Gnash his teeth and melt away and perish? Sounds good to me. We need to frustrate the devil. Don't make it so easy for a spirit of fear and worry and anxiety to set up residence in your house. 
make them make their job so hard they go down the street somewhere. Just sorry they came and messed with you. Amen. You know what? There are some people they are easy pickings. I determined not to be one. How about you? You're not easy pickings, are you? Devil's gonna wrestle you, doesn't he? It's like you know what? I'm not gonna lay down and die easy. Not going to. And I will live free from anxiety. Not only just as an act of my will, but in glory to God. That's what we need. Christians who are free from anxiety. Giving glory to God. And people are going to go, what is with you? How come you are not freaking out? How come you are like this? Okay, you know what? God keeps me in perfect peace. I keep my mind stayed on Him. He keeps me in peace. The Lord is faithful to me. He upholds my right hand. He upholds my just cause. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we repent. We repent for worry, for anxiety, for fear, for allowing thoughts to just build in our heads, in our emotions, for not casting away all anxiety and fear the first time it showed up. And for, Lord, for not trusting you that you would actually take care of us. So, Father, we repent. We confess it to you. And we say, Lord God, we have been weak. We ask you, Lord, to cleanse us, to forgive us and to heal us. Forgive us. And, Lord God, give us the grace where we can open our mouths and our eyes with boldness. That, God, we can face whatever situation comes knowing that you are good and you've caused us to always triumph in Christ Jesus. Father, I declare that no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. I declare that every weapon that is raised up against this people shall fail. I declare that, Lord God, you have caused us to be the overcomers above only and not beneath, that we are the blessed and not the cursed. I call this group of people overcomers. And I say, Lord God, that your blessings are abundant in our lives and that, Lord God, you keep us in abundant peace. And that, Lord God, we are not little hothouse flowers. We are men and women of maturity and of wisdom and who refuse to bow the knee to the spirit of mammon or the spirit of fear. But, God, instead, we're choosing to say, you are my God and I will serve no other. So, Lord God, be glorified in our faith. Be glorified in our praise. But, Lord God, be glorified as we live a life before you that brings honor to your name. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name for everybody right now who's facing real challenges where their emotions have been, sh have been shaken, where their hearts have been shaken, their minds have been raging. Father, I pray right now for relief from the storm. I ask, Lord God, that you give your angels charge over them. In Jesus' name, I come against every harassing spirit.